This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 89, a day to look forward to. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. And welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. You've tuned in for episode number 89, A Day to Look Forward to. As we record this, we're in the middle of what's called the COVID-19 virus. And so many folks are staying home. They're avoiding contact. And if they are making contact, they're staying like six feet apart. Um, Probably don't need to go into more detail than that, because if you're listening, I'm sure you're aware of worldwide what's happened with the COVID-19 virus. And um, so we do have a full house here today. We've got Pastor Strobel, Pastor Steve, Pastor Matt, and myself. And if I sound rehearsed, it's because we just did this a couple of minutes ago and I forgot to turn the recorder on. So my my apologies, my apologies to everyone here. But here we go. We didn't get too far in, thank the Lord. And we're going to go to Pastor Strobel first. Pastor Strobel in Lockport, New York. What's your situation there? As you said, pretty much the same as it is around uh, the rest of the United States and a lot of the world. Um, but we we are, and I'm just going to answer the question that you had asked before uh, about what we're doing for services and uh, live streaming. Uh, but uh, we are actually still meeting for services. We're under the threshold of 50. We have a number of people that are not coming. A couple Fridays ago, when uh, the governor of New York State gave his executive order about the New York State on pause, uh, it gave me pause because I just finished you know, preparing a message and um, was you know trying to hang on to us being able to to meet for whoever you know would like to be able to come, and I didn't know what that was going to mean for us. I was really praying, and I uh, consulted with a pastor friend. Uh, then later on, talked with. Um, uh, subsequently, after I got more information, I wound up talking with uh, Pastor Steve. Uh, contacted another um, man in the ministry who deals directly with Albany and a lot of uh, legal and governmental issues. But we weren't getting any clarification really at that point what it was going to mean. Only possibly this or that. So. Uh, the next morning, I the Lord gave me the idea just to look at the governor's website, look it up and see if I could find anything. And I did and found clarification about essential um, businesses and so forth. He had 12 main points. And under number 12, there was first some bullet points, then some paragraphs. And in the second paragraph, after the bullet points, um, he stated very clearly that houses of worship are not ordered closed. They did strongly recommend that they do not congregate uh, and that they maintain social distance. But since we were not ordered to close and we have people who they know their situation and know, you know, whether or not they should come, uh, we decided to keep going. I decided, you know, as long as they're, I, I guess I decided I'm going to come and preach and um, 
we'll see what happens. But but we have just contingency of folks that, that want to come. We changed how we do a lot, a lot of the things. We don't have the Sunday school sequestered for the young people. Um, they they're just joining us in the auditorium. Uh, people are spread out in the auditorium. We're not passing the offering plates. Um, we are not, of course, uh, shaking hands. But that way, we're able to at least maintain services. And then, for the people that are not able to come, we've been, as we all normally do, recording them. But I started a YouTube channel for our church, and uh, so far, I've got one uh, message from last week that I posted. Um, I'm doing them unlisted, so a person has to have the link to be able to get there at, at this point. And I have uh, four other Bible studies and messages combined. Uh, ready to post, which I'll, Lord willing, finish doing when we uh, finish up our uh, podcast here today. Amen. Amen. Uh, Steve, how about in Buffalo, New York? What's your situation? Well, uh, again, as Pastor Strobel mentioned, uh, he and I had contact on Saturday, and as as he had uh, consternation, I had as well, and prayed throughout the day. Uh, I'm I'm thankful that you know in the Lord we have freedom and liberty uh, to do what uh, we, we feel is right and so forth, and not uh, putting any uh, aspersions to anybody for what they've chosen to do. Uh, but uh, we chose not to meet. Uh, we've got a number of people in our church. Obviously, we're, we're even a lot smaller than Pastor Strobel. And so a lot of the people that would uh, probably come are in that risk element. And, and uh uh, so we decided not to meet. We're still, you know, we don't have a place of our own. We're still meeting in a in a host church, and so there's a lot of equipment that we do not have that would would allow us to be able to do some of the things as far as streaming and and things along that line. So uh, right now we're looking at some other options to try to get, uh, you know people that have access to the internet to be able to to congregate together. Uh, a program I think a lot of schools are using called Zoom, and uh, we're uh, looking into that to try to get that. Hopefully by this week, uh, we'll be able to get that going. We have uh, sermons on the web on the website that uh, people can look uh, to and and try to get some spiritual nourishment. Uh, also, uh, I, we're small enough we could do a a uh, uh, text message uh, group. So. I'm keeping contact with with as many folks as I can from our church through that, trying to encourage them and try to uh, calm any of the fears that they might have and point them to Jesus Christ and point them to the Word of God and so forth. Mm -hmm. So uh, with as small as we are, I think we can do some of that a little bit easier uh, than some of the larger ministries. Obviously, they have uh, things that they could do that we're not able to do at this point, but uh, I'm just thankful that, um, you know, hopefully by the grace of God, this will end soon and get back to uh, meeting with the folks and, and uh, trying to reach the community uh, with with the gospel. And, and uh, you know, the fact that, you know, Christians shouldn't be, and and going to kind of try to get into some of this in, in the Bible study here today, but but the Christians ought to be the ones that are that are leading the way and and calming some of the fears that are out there. So uh, trying to do that um, by the best of our ability. So praise the Lord. And Matthew, up there in the Arctic, in Alaska, what's the situation there? 
Yeah, I just uh, I got back here actually right at the right time because about three weeks ago I left uh, New York. That's <clears throat> where I left my wife Jennifer and my son Jacob, and my wife is pregnant, and uh, so it's not good for her to be here in the village uh, just because there's no medical doctors or nurses here. So, but uh, there was definitely a lot of people with face masks and things like that flying back. It was a little unsettling to be honest. And uh, that was really before it really, you know, started to become something here in the States. And I think there might've been one or two cases at that time and uh, that they knew of. And so anyway, I got back here Actually, it took me six days to get back here. Usually it takes two full days, but it took six days because of the weather. And then one day when it was beautiful weather in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, uh, the pilot didn't show up. So that was interesting. <laughs> and and so then a uh, terrible storm hit the whole entire North Slope region. And, and so I was stuck in place for, it was at least three days. Um, and I couldn't go anywhere because of the storm. And so anyway, I, I did make it back. By that time, the governor of Alaska, he, uh, he said uh, it's a mandatory if you're coming in from, this, from the lower 48. If you're coming into Alaska, you have to uh, self-quarantine for two weeks. And uh, so that's what I did. Uh, you know, I, I, I was already quarantined for a week in Alaska as it was because uh, I was already here in the States, but in the state. But uh, when I finally got back in the village, I quarantined for another week. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, everything right now is shut down, especially here in the village. If you want to fly out, you have to get a hold of a tribal member here and, or fly in anybody that flies in, you have to get a hold of a tribal member. Um, and so it's very difficult to travel anywhere, pretty much all travel. I think like most other places, um, in Alaska, it's all shut down and, but, uh, we've, we are having all of our services on Facebook and uh we hate doing that <laughs> and uh um and i'm not saying it's bad if anybody else does it but the reason why i say we hate doing that is because we don't want people to get into this comfort zone of thinking wow i could just stay at home now once this you know virus passes and uh, i'll just stay in the comfort of my own home and not go to church and not meet together and so we're we're a little worried about that and uh but we have seen some blessings from it we've seen a bunch of people that uh, their kids have come to church faithfully, gotten saved, and and now they're listening and they're commenting and things like that and saying great message and people that would never come to church. So uh, we're praying that once this gets you know over with, and of course praying for all those that are suffering, and but we're praying when you know this is all over that uh, some of these people that have tuned in that have never come before will actually start coming to church. So Amen. so there there might be a blessing come out of this, and that would be great. Amen. Well, I'm glad to hear you guys are all doing well and, and things are moving forward. What, what I know that I've talked to folks and, and um, some people are concerned. They're obviously very frightened about what's going on in the world. And, and some others have suggested that maybe this is the end times. What, what would you say to those folks if they brought that up? Well, I would say it was the end times before this happened. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and, you know, the Lord, he's coming again. We Amen. know that. We don't know when. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. We don't know if this is going to be the thing that, um, uh, you know, is the impetus that, that gets it going. But it, it could be. Um, you know, at, if nothing else, it's like uh, the Lord said in Matthew 24, 
uh, all these things are the beginnings of sorrows mm-hmm. and it is going to get a lot worse. Maybe, maybe this won't be it. Maybe things will get better. A lot of people in the world are assuming they'll get better. Um, but maybe they won't. Um, there's got a, there's a number of things, you know, the antichrist going to have to solve. Uh, and when he comes in, there's going to be problems and he's going to solve them. And they're going to be looking for somebody that's got the answers, the, the monetary system, just the f- whole financial economic setup. And, you know, we're, we're on shaky ground. Who knows? It, it could mm-hmm. all fall apart like a house of cards, or we could get back to normal. Yeah. But either way, Jesus is coming, whether Amen. it's this time or a little bit later. So Amen. we're looking forward to that. Amen. What do you say, Steve and Matt? Amen. What do you guys think? Well, no, I know that, uh, you know, for some, for some of those, maybe that, uh, you know, haven't studied the Bible very much. A lot of people hear the term, this is the end of the world. And, you know, they don't understand the prophecy that God has written in the Bible. And the bottom line is, as Pastor Strobel was just saying, the next event that's going to take place um, in God's prophetic calendar in the Bible is that the rapture, the Lord's going to come back, Jesus Christ is going to come back, take the church out, those that are saved, and then the tribulation. Um, The time of Jacob's trouble will start. That'll be about seven years and then uh, then Jesus Christ is going to come back and he's going to rule and reign for 1000 years on this earth the devil's going to be cast into the hell and bottomless pit and uh it's going to rule with a rod of iron and uh the whole world's going to come and worship him and then after that 1000 years the antichrist the and the devil the devil will be uh you know let out and he'll be unchained, and he'll go out, and he'll deceive the nations again. And that's when God will finally destroy the enemies, his enemies. He'll destroy Satan and throw him in a lake of fire forever. And that's when God will create a whole new heaven, whole new earth. So that's when the end of the world takes place. So we have another 1,007 years. If people are worried about, well, the world's going to end, we have another 1,007 years before the world ends in the way that maybe some people are thinking but just as Pastor Strobel said, once the Lord comes back, and it could be today, uh, then the tribulation will start. And if you're not saved, most likely it's going to be a time where you will just, it'll be a hell on earth, and most likely you won't get saved, and you'll spend an eternity in hell. Yeah, you, you don't want to be going through that seven years. You'd rather, you'd rather be raptured out. Amen. And speaking Amen. of the next events on God's prophetic calendar, that's episode 44. So if you want to check back to our uh, website at uh, thatsinthebible.com, you can listen to that, the next events on the next events on God's prophetic calendar, episode 44. Steve, do you have anything to add? Well, well uh, you know, sometimes I think that, that uh, at least Christians in this country have this misconception that if they go through some heartache and, and trouble like this, that it has to be the end. And I'm not saying it's not, and I'm not saying it is. To be honest with you, you know, we don't know the day or the hour, uh, so forth and so on. But, but um, you know, the Bible says that we're going to, you know, go through tribulation, uh, trouble, problems. And, uh, you know, if the, the shelves are empty of toilet paper, all of a sudden we think it's the end of the world. Uh, <laughs> there, there are Christians today in Muslim countries, uh, communist countries that are dying for their faith. And uh, I, I tell you, they're not worried about toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not worried about, you know, having, you know, uh, hand sanitizer and things like that. Uh, I think 
Americans especially have, have gotten a, a false of, of um, what it's all about. And, uh, you know, if, if we're suffering a little bit, you know, we think it's the end of the world. Now, I think, you know, as far as the, the, the Bible study today, hopefully I can bring some of this to bear and, and hopefully get people back on, on the right track or at least point them to the right track. And uh, so uh, I think I'll leave the, the rest of my comments for the Bible study then. All right. Well, unless someone else has something else to add, why don't we go ahead and get started on your Bible study today? And that is called A Day to Look Forward to. And I think it's certainly apropos for where we're at right now. So are you ready, Steve? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Amen. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, If you have a Bible, I'd like for you to turn to Proverbs 29. We'll get there in a few minutes. Um, as we have already talked about, and some of the things that I may say in this introduction will probably be somewhat of a repeat, but at least for the Bible study's sake, let's go ahead and, and say what we have to say. But before we get into that, let me go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunities that you give us. Uh, Lord, uh, everybody's hunkered down and, and uh, self-quarantining and all these kind of things in this day that we're living in. But Lord, uh, we still have opportunity to get the word out, and uh, we pray that uh, this message, as others that we have done and podcast, will be able to reach people, uh, some, uh, Lord, uh, certainly Christians that need encouragement, but Lord, maybe even those that are searching and lost, uh, Lord, they don't know for sure that they're going to heaven when they die. They might happen upon these uh, podcasts by recommendation of a friend or maybe just uh, through a search on the uh, on the internet. Lord, I pray that your spirit would deal with them. Lord God, that you would produce fruit for your account, for your glory, for your honor. Uh, Lord God, uh, for me to be able to do this, Lord, is beyond my human capability. And so, Lord, I'm asking God that you would fill me with your spirit. Help me to say the things that you once said. Pray that Jesus Christ would be glorified and honored Lord, that Christians would get their minds back in the right place. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you, ask for your blessing upon it. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Uh, Many, if not most, of our podcasts are dated. Uh, Obviously, this one uh, being a prime example because of our conversations prior to the Bible study. And then there are some of the Bible studies that we have are dated in themselves uh, by the content of that Bible study. And I believe this would be one of them. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, what we're going through and what we're going to be talking about today, even though it's dated by the time that we're living in right now here in March 2020, uh, even those that listen in a future time, I think, can still get some benefit from them, from this Bible study. Uh, the time which we find ourselves as we record this podcast is perilous. I think it's uncertain. I think in some people's minds, it's a fearful time. And across the land, people are hunkered down at home, 
and they're practicing social distancing. Many people are panicking, as I've already indicated, that they're clearing the shelves of numerous items, fearing the worst. Uh, I think in, in some smaller sense, we go through this on a regular basis in the Buffalo area when uh, they start to announce even a small storm, uh, people are clearing the shelves of bread and milk and eggs and things like that. Uh, this one's taking it to another level, and some of the things that they're clearing from the shelves from panic, for no uh, less of a better term, they're just panicking over the things. Uh, many fear catching the, the covert virus, either themselves or a family member. Many are fearing the economic crisis where businesses are shutting down, uh, their layoffs taking place, people are trying to file for unemployment. In fact, I've heard some that were unqualified for, for unemployment, and now they're fearing what, how they're going to be able to pay, pay their bills and so forth. Uh, they're fearing because of this pandemic that's upon us. Uh, fear for their own selves personally and nationally. Uh, some fear the social unrest that's taking place, and some people are fearing the political uncertainty of our times as to whether we're even going to be able to have an election coming up here in November. While the president, if you've watched any of his uh, briefings and so forth, while the president and a few others are trying to calm the fears of the nation, you have those who are fanning the flames uh, of the national fear. The media and politicians are operating with the idea of never letting a good crisis go to waste. And they're taking advantage of this crisis to push their biases and their political preferences either through uh, legislation or their incessant hate for the president seemingly opposing everything that he says. And along with all of that going on in the background, there are Christians, sadly, many Christians are in fear because of the circumstances we're in presently. But I'm here to say that it's not just the circumstances that we find here with this pandemic around us, but even before the crisis, Christians were showing their insecurities and their compromises, if you will, uh, of their mandate, and that is to be salt and light in this world. All of this being brought, upon, brought on by the social pressures of this world to be more like the world than to be like Christ. Uh, they're fearful of the social branding that's taking place of Christians today. Christians are, uh, as a result of that social branding, are trying to fit in. And instead of being as what the Bible tells us to be, to be peculiar people. Christians have in their minds, I uh, set on things down here that pull them away from God rather than pull them toward him. In Proverbs 29, if you'll take a look in verse 18, a verse that's used many, many times for many sermons about many subjects, but I think it's apropos for what we're talking about today. Uh, 
And it says this in verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I believe that God, with this verse in mind, God has given the Christian something to look forward to, a day to look forward to, a vision, if you will, if we could take this verse and apply it to the New Testament, to keep the Christian focused on what is important, to keep him encouraged and less likely to fear the circumstances and the future or the opposition of the world. This world, if you will, if we could boil it down, this world has stolen the Christian's hope. There's something, a statement that I ran across some time ago, and I think it fits here as well. It says this, and where there is no hope for the future, there is no power in the present. Let me say that again. Where there is no hope for the future, there is no power in the present. In other words, if we don't have this sense of where we're going, where we're headed, this this definite aim and goal, it leaves us lethargic. It leaves us in a state of almost uh, defibrillation where we're just kind of vibrating in place. We don't have a purpose in mind. And therefore, because of that lack of future to us, there's no power in the present. That's, in my mind's eye, that's where I see Christianity today. It has no power over the affairs of men. Uh, You try to go out and try to win somebody to Jesus Christ, and it just seems as if there's, there's no interest at all in those things. Uh, Christians have no longer become the salt and the light that this world is supposed to be. As I've mentioned before, they're trying to get along. They're trying for people to like them instead of them doing the mandate that they are called to do is to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. And because Christians have lost that, that, that desire, they've lost that mandate, Therefore, the world has gotten used to not being approached about the gospel. Now, I'm, not cer- I'm certainly not saying that all Christians, every one of us, has not uh, uh, you know, taken this mandate. There are Christians that are out there doing so. But I tell you what, the number of them is fewer than it has been in the past. And you can tell that by the church attendances going down and down and down. Over the last number of years, we could see the attendance in churches and, and the, the desire of Christians to forsake the assembling of themselves together. And so I see this as a social problem in that the, the, the world has put social pressures on the church And the church is so interested in trying to get along with the world that they've adopted the world's methods, whether it's in preaching or whether it's in in music or whether it's in all of the the, uh, uh, functions and so forth, how they approach, how they talk, make sure that they don't say anything that's unkind, don't say anything that's controversial. 
And I'm here to tell you that just by proclaiming the gospel as being exclusionary, that Jesus is the only way, that it is in itself offensive to this world. And so people have tried to soften the gospel. People have tried to soften the approach. People have tried to take and, and use gimmicks to try to gain the interest of people instead of, of, of approaching them head on. I think, again, as we've indicated, that this is uh, part and parcel of the end times. I think that this world is going to be so apathetic towards uh, the gospel and towards the Lord and towards God himself that they're going to have no interest uh, you know, just it's just the way things are. But I'm here to tell you that because we have, if we have this vision that, that we should have, in order to have power in the present, we need to be looking towards the Lord and, and again, regain the hope that has been stolen from us, our, guilt, our goal, our aim, where we should be. A verse that should be common to most Christians is found in Hebrews chapter 12, where it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, which would indicate when he's coming back for us, the finisher of our faith. I think that was Peter's problem, obviously in a different context, but when he got out of the boat, when he asked Jesus if he could come to him out there on the waves and so forth, walking on the water, obviously at the beginning, he's looking straight at Jesus Christ and he's walking on the water. People have this, this, this penchant for, for trying to put Peter down. I, I give him credit. I mean, if you or I were out there we, in that boat, none of us, I don't think, would, would pose the question of asking to come out there on the, on the water. But Peter did. He's walking on the water. And then, as so often the case, he look, looked at the winds and saw that they were boisterous. And what does it say? And he was afraid. I think Christians that are looking at the circumstances around them instead of looking for Jesus are seeing the storms and the wind boisterous and they become afraid. And again, he took his eyes off of Jesus. The Christians need to be looking unto Jesus. Oh, again, another thing, not only are they supposed to be looking for Jesus, but take a look in Titus chapter 2. And again, verses that most Christians know well, but sometimes I think we lose sight of what the implications are, what the mandate is in this passage. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So with that understanding, that's how we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to be looking to the world to emulate. We're supposed to be looking to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his word as to how we're supposed to live. With that in mind, verse 13 says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing 
of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. That doesn't sound like somebody that is compromising with the world and trying to fit in. It looks to me like somebody is embracing the fact that we are going to be different from this world, that we are going to be odd and zealous for this world and not complacent and trying to hide in plain sight, not hunkering down behind the walls of our sanctuaries and and hiding from the world, but being out among them and letting us see uh, see us for who we really are. We're to be looking for that blessed hope. Of course, that blessed hope, as we all know, is found in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You see, we have something to look forward to. And in fact, if you boil it down, there is a day we are looking forward to. It is that blessed hope. It is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, there's coming a day where every Christian is to have his eyes fixed on what is ahead of us, not looking at the storm, but looking on his or looking for his appearing. Now to help us with this, to help us to know the benefits the things that should encourage us to look for him are found in 1 Thessalonians. There are five chapters in 1 Thessalonians, and each of them ends with a reference of the second coming of Jesus Christ, and that's what I want to draw your attention to. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, it says this, For they themselves show of us Uh, what manner of entering in we had unto you, how that ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's salvation. Verse 10. And, And because you're saved now, this is it, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. It is a day to look forward to because we, because uh, all that we have read and heard will finally be a reality. I don't know about you, but reading about the Lord coming back, uh, back in the day that I trusted Christ as my Savior, back in the middle of the late 70s, 
that was the theme of the day. Uh, prophecy and the Lord's return was something that was spoken of in seemingly every service. Christian's conversation talked about the Lord's return. In fact, being a young 22-year-old and hanging around guys that were as dumb as I was, uh, we used to jump up in the air and just laugh and, and joke around with each other because we were doing rapture practice. We were jumping into the air, hoping to get a head start on everybody else. I tell you what, the exhilaration and realizing that what we have been reading about, what we've been hearing from preaching is a truth after all. I mean, I believe it's true, but being there and being and experiencing it and that and that satisfaction knowing that it actually came to pass, I tell you what, is, is something that is just beyond my comprehension. I tell you, I'm, the insides of me are about ready to jump out right now just with the thrill and the joy of knowing that one day it will be a reality. Everything we've been through will have been worth it. We sing a song. It's found in our song books. It's called When We See Christ. And I get excited every time I sing this song. There are things that are here in this verse that speak of my heart's desire and what I am going through. And it says, oft times the day seems long. Our trial's hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away, all tears forever over in God's eternal day. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. The third verse, and I'm not skipping the second only because of time, says life days will soon be o'er. All storms forever pass. We'll cross the great divide to glory safe at last. We'll share the joys of heaven, a harp, a home, a crown. The tempter will be banished. We'll lay our burdens down. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. <laughs> what a joy. What a joy that's going to be when we finally in our own, in the bodies that God is going to give us when we experience the reality of the truth of that. Take a look in verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. That patience in hope, that hope being the blessed hope, that day when Jesus Christ will come. I tell you, there's a word that kids hate. Uh, having raised five and now going through my grandchildren, there's a word my kid. The, my kids and my grandchildren hate, and it's not the word no. 
but it's the word wait. Wait. I tell you, I haven't gotten much older than my kids as far as this word is concerned. I don't like to wait. I'm impatient. And uh, we have been waiting. We've been waiting for years and years and years. I can tell you, (laughs) over the years, you know, we talked about rapture practice here earlier. My wife and I, when we got married, we were expecting our first child, and we never thought he was going to reach the age of five. I am uh, not sad to say, but uh, it's been, well, he'll turn 40 this coming June, and we're still waiting for the Lord. But my enthusiasm is not dimmed one iota. I know the Lord's timing is always great and always right. And I know that he knows what he's doing. And there is coming a day because he's promised that day will come when he will take us home to be with him. We, as we know it, that that day, that rapture, that is promised. Just, just as he has, uh, uh, as sure as the promise of his resurrection was sure, And we, being on this side of his resurrection, know that it came to pass. Just as sure as that promise is, so is the promise of his return. We find that in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, where he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And my answer to that verse every time I come to it is, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I believe that he's coming again. Notice again in verse Thessalonians chapter 1, take a look in verse 10 says there, which delivered us from the wrath to come. I, I take comfort in that. I take comfort in that because of the way it's worded. He says delivered, that's past tense. Us from the wrath to come, that is a present possession. But it's talking about a future event. All of that gives us the assurance that when we trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that at the moment of our conversion, he's delivered us from the wrath to come. We will be taken out of here before God's wrath is poured out. Now, some would say this is a reference to hell or the lake of fire or the final judgment. And that's a possibility, but I rather think of it as a reference to the tribulation when God's wrath is poured out on his creation for rejecting him in that seven-year period called the tribulation. When they turn to the Antichrist instead of turning to Jesus Christ. The reason for that is found in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 1. And here we are, these these, uh, 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 vials are poured out, and uh, we're right in the middle of the tribulation. 
And it says this in verse 1, it says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. That wrath is not talking about hell. It's not talking about the the, uh, lake of fire. It is talking about the wrath of God that comes on this world and on the people of this world during the tribulation. And I believe that we are delivered from that wrath And I know some people think we're going through the tribulation or going through half of the tribulation, and I know all of that. And I believe from this verse, these verses here, that that proves conclusively that the church will not go through that. They will not experience the wrath of God upon this earth. Number two, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, it says, For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. I submit to you it is a day to look forward to because we will be in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. No longer will we see him solely through the eyes of Scripture. The Apostle Paul says this in another way. He says we look through a glass darkly. There is a tinted glass, if you will, and it doesn't give us a completely clear picture of everything that is going to take place, everything that is ahead of us. It seems as though we're looking through a haze, but one day we will see him face to face. Uh, There's a, a hymn that I love written by Fanny Crosby, a blind lady that had so many hymns that we sing in our hymn books. She wrote this song face to face. It says, face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me. Face to face, I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face, in all his glory, I shall see him by and by. I don't know if you got an idea of what that would be like to actually see the one who loved you enough to die in your place. Oh man, that's something to look forward to. Man, that's something to be excited about. That's something that should compel you to live for Jesus Christ each and every day. The things of this earth really should grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But secondly, to see those that we have had some part in their salvation. I think that'd be super. That'd be tremendous. That ought to be something that we look forward to as well. It says, therefore, what is our hope or joy or crown or rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of of our Savior, of the Lord and Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, that is coming. 
Some of us have led family members to the Lord. Some of us have led friends of ours to the Lord. Some of us have led people to the Lord at a chance meeting. Uh, I I haven't led as many people to the Lord as some have, and, and I'm thankful for the ones the Lord has given me the blessing and the privilege to lead to the Lord. And in that being said, I'm looking forward to seeing everyone one day at his appearing that I've had a part in their salvation. But I think there's one that I'm looking especially forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing a waitress that uh, was there in Pensacola while we were going to Bible school. Uh, Brian Donovan and a friend of ours by the name of Gene Chapman were out on a Friday night driving around looking for groups of people that we could go out and get a chance to talk to, hand out some tracks. It was a warm summer night. I think it was really hazy and muggy uh, that particular evening as I remember it. And we didn't find too many people to, to uh, you know, get a chance to talk to. Had a couple that we got some tracks out, a couple with, with real casual conversations, but didn't want to go any deeper than that. And so after driving around for a few hours and, and not really having much success, we decided to go uh, to a place similar to Denny's. I don't think it was Denny's at the time, but something similar to that. They had booze out in front, you know, where you walked into the front door, but they had tables in the back, and it was crowded, and they put us at one of those tables, and uh, it was it was crowded. I mean, you know, it didn't have much elbow room in between tables. This waitress came up to, to take care of us, and, and Gene was just just bold. He was a bold guy, and uh, when she came up and says, uh, may I help you? He said something to the effect. He said, well, yeah, but maybe there's something we could do to help you. Do you know for sure you'd go to heaven when you die? And to our surprise, she says, no, I don't think I do, but I think I'd like to. And to my surprise at that time, Jean goes, Steve, why don't you tell her how to get saved? I, uh, 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 sure. <laughs> and so I began to uh, in, a, in a very, I wasn't very old in the Lord and, and very meager attempt to try to talk to her about the Lord and started to say some things. She said, just a minute. And she went off and did some of her waitress thing, thing there. And I said, well, you know, that's, that's kind of blown it, you know. And, but to my surprise, she came back and she listened to me a little bit more and then she'd walk away and listen a little bit more and got a chance to tell her about the Lord and tell her what she needed to do to be saved and talked about her sin, you know, tried to cover all the bases and so forth and as best as I could at the time and and uh, came back. She came back again and, and I said, would you like to trust the Lord as your Savior? And she said, yes, I would. And she knelt down on one knee right next to the chair that I was sitting in and I had the privilege of leading her to the Lord right there in that crowded restaurant. We did what we could. We gave her a track, gave her, gave her some information. You know, I never saw her again. But in the midst of that crowded restaurant, that, that woman received the Lord Jesus Christ at her coming. I, I received the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. And I tell you what, it was a time of rejoicing. We were ecstatic 
I tell you what, just the thought of being able to see her again, I, I, I'd like, you know, the thought that, that strikes me every once in a while is to see what my family, spiritual family tree would look like. Those were responsible for my salvation. Who led them to the Lord? Who led them to the Lord? Who led them to the Lord? Going all the way back. And then then to see this, this lady, this waitress in Pensacola, what she might have done in the future as she went on with her Christian life and what that family tree would look like from there as it moved forward. To see what my effect and the effect of Jean and the effect of Brian would have on her life and those that she would reach. I tell you, it's something to think about. It's something to get excited about. I wonder if anybody knows who led uh, the evangelist D.L. Moody to the Lord. I came across uh, the, the testimony of the man that led D.L. Moody to the Lord, his evangelist, for those of you that may not know, he was an evangelist in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And he, before his conversion, he was a shoe salesman at his uncle's, uncle's store in Boston. And he had a Sunday school teacher by the name of Mr. Kimball. And he must have had uh, some dealings with him as, as Moody would go to these uh, Sunday school that this guy was holding and and uh, uh, wasn't convinced that he had, uh, uh, D.L. Moody had, had made a, a confession of Christ yet, and so he purposed to go and see him there at the, the boot store. Uh, having, trying to work up his, his uh, nerve, I guess you will, uh, he walked right past the boot store, and then he said he, he cast caution to the wind and just went back into the boot store, found him back in the back, and uh, talked to him about the Lord. He said he gave kind of, uh, uh, to him, to his own testimony, a rather meager uh, uh, witness to him, but still it had the effect that, that because of that witness, D.L. Moody received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Years later, Moody was back in Boston and was preaching, and he said the, the place of his conversion was almost a stone's throw away from where he was preaching. He said the effect of his conversion that had, that had on him was, was something that was remarkable because all of a sudden the things that he took for granted seemed to take on a grander meaning. The birds that he heard that were singing seemed to be singing songs to him. And all of a sudden, he fell in love with the birds that before time he really had no concern about. And all of a sudden, that regenerated heart took on a new meaning and set the course of his life forever. Moody's experience with that seemed to coincide with the poet who authored this from a hymn that we sing. Heaven above is softer blue, earth around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue, Christless eyes have never seen. Birds with gladder songs o'erflow, 
Flowers with deeper beauty shines. Since I know, as now I know, I am his and he is mine. Since I know, as now I know, I am his and he is mine. You know, Mr. Kimball, for his attempt and his burden for this young man, D.L. Moody, has a family tree that some estimate go on for a million, a million people. It is estimated that D.L. Moody has led a million people to the Lord. What a, what a testimony. What a, what a prospect. What a day to look forward to. Let's move on hastily. Number three, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, take a look in verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you, to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. I submit to you it is a day to look forward to because we will be blameless in holiness before God. Now, folks, we have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ because we have received him as our Savior. And I tell you what, even though we're still in this flesh and we still struggle with sin, knowing that one day all of that will be over, looking for that day when we will be sinless in his sight uh, and, and sinless in body, that we will no longer have to bear that burden like Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? For the first time when that day approaches, we will be totally free from sin, never to sin against my God again never needing to confess to him of my wicked heart and my wicked deeds. I look forward to that day. It grieves me when I sin against him and I say, Lord, God, I've done it again and again. Oh, God, please forgive me. I tell you what, that very thought ought to compel you to look forward to that day. I think Christians are far too complacent with their sin, and, and they're just say, well, okay, that's just the way I am. That's just the way we are. You know, we're only human. I think we ought to have the aspiration of looking forward to the day when we will be sinless, standing in his presence. Number four, moving on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Again, this is something that we all should be familiar with. Beginning in verse 13, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them or go before them which are asleep. 
For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, this may seem a little odd to you, but it is a day to look forward to because we will experience flight without the aid of man. <laughs> in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. I don't know about you, but have you ever dreamed about flying? I mean, not in an airplane, but just feel the, the exhilaration of flight without any aid. I tell you what, that's something of an exhilaration. I, you know, I know we have these carnival rides that give us some semblance of that feeling of being that weightlessness or, or being propelled into the air. I'll tell you what, uh, they've got some rides out there now that they didn't have when I was growing up, maybe a little bit braver than I am now. Had this ride in some of these parks that's like a slingshot. Instead of the ones, you know, that are the bungee jumps, you know, where, they, where you actually drop down, this one actually shoots you up into the air. You're sitting in somewhat of a chair and you're all strapped in and so forth. And they pull this thing back and they pull it back and they pull it back. Similar to a to like a slingshot, this huge slingshot. And all of a sudden they release it and all of a sudden you go flying up into the air at a, at a huge angle and you're flying up there. I've seen, I've seen things on the internet where, where people are passing out and the next second they wake up and scream and then they pass out again and then they, then they scream and then they pass out again. And all of a sudden as they're settling down, they come to and they, they got this big smile on their face like they've really accomplished something. I tell you what, you wouldn't get me on one of those things. Not now. You would never get me on one of those things. But we have the hope that one day when this, either when we've passed from this earth or we're still alive, when the Lord comes, we're going to be propelled into this air and we're going to go up through the ceiling with a supernatural body, our soul and spirit are going to come back and we're going to be reunited and we're going to go up into the air to be, meet the Lord in the air. I'll tell you, that's going to be exhilarating. That's going to be something else. But not only that, the Lord gives us the added joy and pleasure that as we meet him in the air, we get to meet each other first before we meet him. The saved loved ones, friends, people that we have left behind, the saints of old, the trophies of God's grace, whether it be Paul or Peter or Luther or Buddy Blomkall, who's just passed away from us here not too long ago. Friends of mine, Gene and Sherry, Ron and Allie. Oh, I look forward to seeing them. The joy and the peace and the satisfaction of all of that coming to pass because we're looking forward to a day. The last one I want to draw your attention to is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this one I'm going to take a little bit of liberties with, if you don't mind, but 
I want to draw a little bit different direction. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, it says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. I submit to you, it is a day to look forward to because we will not experience God's wrath. Now, as I've already mentioned before earlier, that I believe that wrath there, at least in chapter one, is talking about the wrath spoken of in the book of Revelation. But also, I think that there is another aspect to this. And the wrath of God poured out on mankind because they will not receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior is that they will experience hell. And if I've trusted him as my Savior, I will not experience that. That's a day to look forward to. I won't experience God's wrath in hell. I will not go through the torment of burning forever and ever and ever without relief. Some of the scariest words are said in Mark chapter 9. It's actually said three times by the Lord Jesus Christ, this exact quote. He says, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Why is that? Because they have not placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And my question to you, some of you are saved and you know where you're going when you die, but there might be someone that listens to this podcast, this particular episode, and I want to ask them, what about you? Are you saved? Are you born again? Or, or, or are you going to be left behind because you're not truly a Christian? Maybe you think you're a Christian because you belong to a denomination or have done some religious things, but I want to tell you that you must be born again. And I'm here to warn you that unless you are born again, you will have to do to suffer the ravages of hell. And I personally don't want you to do that. The day that we are looking forward to will be the day that you will regret that you did not take advantage of the free gift of salvation. I urge you, if you are listening to this podcast and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, I'm telling you, there's podcasts on this uh, site that you can find that will explain in detail what you need to do in order to have eternal life, to have the free forgiveness of sin, the gift of eternal life. And I would urge you to listen to those and make that decision for Jesus Christ today. But Christian, we truly have a day to look forward to. And I would urge you and implore you not to let this world steal your hope. Where there is no hope for the future, there is no power in the present. 
And it says in, in Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. I'll tell you what, looking forward to that day is what keeps us going. It's what keeps us keeping on, keep, keep on keeping on, continuing to do right. I leave you with this, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Revelation 22, 20 says, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the opportunity. Amen. Amen, Brother Steve. Thank you for that uh, study. And uh, boy, it sure is something to think about and an encouragement and to look forward to. Guys, Amen. What, what can you add? Hey man, I'd like to say that was a very appropriate topic for a man that pastors the Blessed Hope Baptist Church. I'm right on board. You know, um, Jack Hiles used to say, this is not crowning day, it's cross-bearing day. And, and it is, we're, we're not in heaven yet. Um, but one day it's going to be crowning day. Amen. And uh, the best is yet to come. Think about Paul. Paul said in Philippians chapter one, he said, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. No, we we get to taste of the joys of the Lord and the life more abundantly down here. But it's like um, Fanny Crosby put in her hymn. uh, Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I mean, it is, it, life is good now with the Lord. It's, it's good to be saved and it's going to be far better when we get up there to glory. And when Paul said that he was in that straight betwixt two, cause he's like wrestling. I mean, do I stay here and serve, you know, and, and this is my only chance or do I get up there to glory. And his conclusion was in verses 24 and 25, uh, f- first he decided the, the conflict. I want to depart. I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And he said, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So that's what he's wrestling with, staying and serving, going home. And the conclusion was verse 25, actually, he said, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. He recognized, you know, for now it's down here, for now it's serving. Because really, we, we all just get this little window of time of life. It's it's just a little minute drop in an, in a vast infinite ocean compared to our, what our existence is going to be forever. Once the trumpet sounds, we get there. We are there. No yes. more opportunity to serve. So now it's like the Lord said in uh, Luke nineteen thirteen. it's, it's occupied till I come and, you know, thank God for being saved and thank God for his just blessing of allowing us to have the opportunity to live for him, serve him and, and shine as burning and shining lights in this dark world. Amen. Matthew. Amen. Yeah, that was great. Uh, very timely message, of course, for what's going on now. And I think everybody, all of us could really learn from it. And, um, you know, I was just reading, uh, I think it was about three or four days ago, in my Bible reading here in Isaiah chapter 24. And uh, I love what it says in verse one. It says, now, of course, this is the context, the doctrinal context of this is the tribulation. But in uh, Isaiah 24, 1, it says, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. 
and it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with the master, as with the maid, so with the mistress. And he goes on and on. It's all going to be the same. Uh, nobody's immune to this, you know, um, coronavirus and all that. And then I like what it says in verse seven, the new wine mourneth, the wine languisheth, all merry hard to do sigh, the mirth of tabret ceaseth, the noise of them that rejoice endeth, the joy of the harp ceaseth. And uh, that's kind of what's going on right now. I mean, they've shut down the bars, so there's no more merry hearted with the wine and all that going on. And then in verse 10, the city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may come in. And uh, that's uh, quarantine. And uh, people have said over and over, social distancing means if uh, they don't live with you, you don't go in their house and visit them. And that's that's what this verse is. You know, I mean, you could look at it that way spiritually. That's what this verse is talking about, that no man may come in that house. The house is shut up. And then look at verse, uh, I mean, you can read the whole chapter and it's it's really, they're going through a terrible time, just like we all are. I mean, even people that aren't, you know, uh, struggling with the actual virus itself, people are mentally, I mean, us as Christians, hopefully not, but people are struggling and they're looking for hope. They're looking for something. And look at verse 15, wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. And what better way to glorify the Lord than what Pastor Steve just talked about? The fact that we should be glorifying the Lord in the fact that we are telling people, hey, listen, there's a blessed hope you could be excited about. Yes, this virus is uh, terrible and it's a terrible thing, but boy, whether I live, whether I die, I know that I'm going home to be with the Lord. And go. people are looking for that right now. Man. And, you know, the neat thing is, before I flew in, the day before I flew in, we had Sunday services here. And a teenager, uh, he's 19 years old. We've been praying for for years, at least three years to get saved. And, um, you know, kept saying, well, I'll do it later. You know, it's not that big of a deal. I'm young. I don't have to worry about it. That's when this whole thing just really started to ramp up the coronavirus and um brother Strino said that while i was preaching you could kind of see him really looking you know and as a preacher you know that look and he was really looking had that look in his eyes and and singing the invitation still had the look in his eyes and he came up afterwards and says pastor i need to get saved <laughs> and that i mean you talk about if anything good can come from that from this virus it's that hopefully people are getting scared whether young or old, because it affects everybody, as this just said, it affects, you know, the the servants, it affects the plumbers, it affects the CEOs, the CFOs of businesses, doesn't matter if you're young, old, it affects everybody, it could kill anybody. And this teenager in our village finally realized, wow, these Christians have a hope that I don't have going through this. And, and if I could say anything for us Christians, and myself included, it's easy for us to get down. It's easy for us to say, well, this, you know, this could really turn out bad, whatever. Uh, people are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of Lord Jesus Christ. And we got to shine as lights as, as we've already heard more and more than ever. Verse 15, wherefore glorify you Lord in the fires. And if you're going through it and uh, whether it's the coronavirus or not, whatever else you're going through, we need to glorify the Lord. So, amen. Great study. Amen. Thank you, Matt. And you know, whether we live or die, whether we get sick, whether we're healthy, 
whatever it might be, the answer is still Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Yes, All right. As we exit out, I'm going to play our theme song, which we've had here since day one. And um, I'm not going to talk over it. We're just going to listen to the words and then we'll, we'll exit out. Guys, thanks again for joining us. And um, keep on. Amen. hearts with fear freedoms we all hold dear powers that stay humbling your hearts to god saves from the chastening rod seek the way pilgrims trod christians away jesus is coming soon morning or night or noon many will many will Trumpets will surely sound All of the dead shall rise Righteous beat in the skies Going where, going where no one dies Heavenward bound Troubles will soon be o'er Happy forevermore When we meet on that shore for all care, rising up in the sky, telling this world goodbye, homeward we then will fly, glory to share, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon, many will, many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound, Shall rise, righteous beat in the skies. Going where, going where no one dies, heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will, many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound, will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise, righteous beat in the skies. Going where. Heavenward bound.